Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Manga Splitting, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by me, Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Woodrow Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplitting.com. Now this week, to kick things off with a bang, or maybe a rear, <laughs> we are starting with Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Chainsaw Man, one of the most talked about Shonen Jump manga that's come out in the last couple of years. It's by Tatsuki Fujimoto. And this won't be the first manga we're talking about by Tatsuki Fujimoto. We did talk about Look Back before, but this is the first time we're talking about the manga that has made him infamous, I guess. <laughs> hmm. So let's see if we can kick things off with the usual, which is the description as written by our friends at Viz Media. Denji's a poor young man who'll do anything for money even hunting down devils with his pet devil, Pochita. He's a simple man with simple dreams, drowning under a mountain of debt. But his sad life gets turned upside down one day when he's betrayed by someone he trusts. Now with the power of a devil inside him, Denji's become a whole new man. Chainsaw Man. (laughs) Okay. Had any of you read this book before we assigned us for our reading today? Uh, Yeah, I'd actually read, uh, read it. I'd read the first chapter as part of a work thing, and it's one that was on my list for getting back to, but I hadn't gotten back to it yet. And I have not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This has been like one of those manga that like, kind of like David, like I didn't really read it much before. And then I kind of had to sit down and binge read it because everyone was talking about it. And it ended up surprising me a lot. Like it's surprisingly violent. That I expected. But that it's surprisingly funny? <laughs> that I didn't expect. It is surprisingly horny also. It is quite a horny <laughs> manga. Please, please expand <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, did I out myself as going first? Well, then I guess we'll do that. Yep. Yeah, the protagonist of Chainsaw Man is a horny 16-year-old boy who basically grew up in indentured servitude as a demon murderer let's say and his only wish in life is to touch a boob and that's kind of like it that's like the depth of his wants desires needs etc etc and no matter what's happening in the story almost sort of like it's gonna be lost on ship but for our audience that's read other shonen jump material he's sort of like a horny luffy from one piece In that, like, Luffy is, like, almost sexless, and this character is only interest, like, his only motivating factor is one day I'll get to kiss a girl or touch a boob kind of a a situation. And so he's almost undefeatable because of that, because the stakes for him are so personal and low. And, yeah, it's it's weird, and it, well, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil my feelings on the first volume, but it was... So, like I said, surprising. It wasn't just a first chapter sort of gag. It just, it just keeps going. His his boob touching, <laughs> girl kissing, like please let me not die a virgin kind of thing, just keeps going. So yeah, it was surprising if I if I may say so. Well, let me let me just interject. I don't consider that horny. I consider that maybe <laughs> sub horny for a sixteen year old. Yeah, that's pretty... Like, that's not know. even near my level of horny at 16. Well, he's he's uneducated. He doesn't <laughs> he know to that touch there's a more to offer. That's, like all, that's, that's all he knows that he can do. Because he's also 
deeply ignorant, <laughs> which is like, to be fair to him, he doesn't even get to the point of like, oh, maybe I can not be a virgin before I die. He's like just at the boob level. Yeah. Like he's yeah, yeah. very much mm-hmm. aiming for achievable goals. In this, <laughs> so it's much more relatable than Christopher's letting on. Uh, it, is it? <laughs> sure it would be it's funny because it would be really it would be a lot creepier if he if his goal was like oh i gotta get laid like if he just kept saying he wanted to get laid then i'd be like oh this is too much but he wants to kiss and touch a boob i'm like okay that's actually kind of sweet for a 16 year old (laughs) (laughs) okay we're getting ahead of ourselves on (laughs) david please please Take, pull it back for me a little bit. I, I would love that. Talk about your your take on Chainsaw Man as a whole. Diving even deeper into the horniness, as Christopher was saying. <laughs> Basically, I think that every generation needs a golden boy. And if you don't know the anime Golden Boy, it's about this guy named Kintaro Oe, who's a kind of like wandering student. He goes from place to place, like, kind of like the Incredible Hulk, you know, like solving people's <laughs> problems through his intense studiousness. But he's also, like, incredibly horny. He's If he meets a lady, he's, like, trying to <laughs> sniff her motorcycle seat, all kinds of ridiculous stuff, amped up to, like, a so high of a degree <laughs> that it becomes, like, really funny. Sniff her motorcycle seat? Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's really funny, actually. <laughs> it doesn't sound funny, but, like, if you were 14 in 1997, it was Bizarre that you're kicking <laughs> off the season with the most obscure anime reference that you could dig up. Like I'm, What's I'm weird super is I don't proud think it's that you. obscure. I think that every generation has one of these stories where it's like, this is deeply weird, but it's not raw hero weird. Okay, Like sure. it just kind of rides that line, you know, yeah, and becomes yeah. kind of like a cult classic because of it. <laughs> but because, you know, the internet's a lot bigger than tape trading in the 90s, like this is like a mainstream hit, amazingly. Like people love this book. It's all over Twitter. And I think that the horniness is, like I said, it was relatable. I think it's relatable because it's so extreme and silly. You can kind of like imprint yourself on it a little bit. It's just like generalized horniness, you know, versus Raw Hero, which is like intense, you know, very, very focused horniness. So it comes off weirdly like it's rated R, but it feels like a PG-13 R, like kind of like on that side of things for me. Yeah, where it's dirty, but it's not like dirty, dirty. Mm. But I really liked it. You know, I thought, you know, back in the day, Golden Boy was a really fun time. And I think with this, it hits such a like with just the first volume, it hits such like a good pitch of violence and kind of like energy that I had a good time the whole way through. Hmm. Chip, what did you think of Chainsaw Man Volume 1? Yeah, I mean, kicking off the season, I agree with David. (laughs) <laughs> my standard I, I i i liked it i thought i thought his horniness was actually kind of weirdly sweet and the funny thing of it just being kind of this alternate reality world like even him like falling in love with the, the first girl we meet which is you know as a trope and kind of stupid works for this and it works for like the, the kind of level of humor in this book and the violence is super over the top, but it also never feels like him because he's transforms into this chainsaw man character. So it kind of, it kind of splits your feelings about the character. So you can enjoy the violence of it all, but also be like, Oh, he's a sweet dummy. Who's who just wants to touch a boob. <laughs> he's not a guy with a chainsaw for a face 
But the fact that there's a whole physical transformation and a, uh, and all this violence, and he doesn't actually have a human face <laughs> when he becomes Chainsaw Man, I think really helps it. Yeah, so it was, it was and it was well drawn, not as well drawn or well done as Look Back, which is you know one of my favorite books that we've covered, and I can see that this is obviously a bigger, wider hit than something like Look Back, and I can see why that is. I'll probably never read volume two, even saying all of that, because I'm I'm not very interested in where this kind of goes. It, it's fun. If I had like a 13, 14 year old kid in my life, I'd be like, I'd slip him some Chainsaw Man uh, when his parents weren't looking. <laughs> it's I feel like it's that kind of book. But as an adult, I'm just like, well, yeah, OK, there's some there's some funny jokes. I really liked when he it, it's so juvenile, but I still really liked it when he just kept kicking his opponent in the balls. <laughs> that was great. It's the only thing I focus on in a fight. He just keeps doing it. <laughs> it's very, very, that's very funny. There's some funny parts in this. And then, and, and yeah, a lot, a lot of the drawings are really well done. So, yeah. So I, I, I quite liked it. It wouldn't be, it's not necessarily for me as a continuing series, but yeah, I would recommend it for sure. Like, would you expect the artists of Look Back to draw something like this? Like, does this seem like in the same wheelhouse? Um, like, yeah, I know artists can draw anything, but, you know. <laughs> our only limit is our imaginations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Like, uh, reading Look Back first, it's such a different work mm-hmm. than this. Like, I could kind of see going from Chainsaw Man to Look Back, but not Look Back to Chainsaw mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because Look Back is like... yeah. I can see it as a story from somebody who's like done comics for a while and wanted to try something else, something different within that. But like, uh, yeah, going going from Look Back to Chainsaw Man, I'm like, no, I don't see these as the same <laughs> artists. They're they're both versions are obviously very skilled, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's the totally dissonant. Makes sense. Well, most people did actually go from Chainsaw Man to Look Back. You're maybe one of the few people yeah. because of manga explaining we're kind of, we, we kind of did that where we're like, Oh, check out this insane book by this guy who's doing like, you know, mainstream air quotes work, even though look back also appeared in on the website, the same website, I think in the same magazine. So yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. a lot of people did know him as this guy, especially, and we're not even talking about his previous series, which it's, it's funny. It was when Deb was doing the introduction, she was like the, the series that he has become infamous for. And I'm thinking, Thinking actually, Fire Punch is kind of where Fire he became Punch. infamous, which is a series before this. And Chainsaw Man is where he became famous, like actually uh. famous. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff in Fire Punch that people go, and then this happened, and I had to put the book down, and I wasn't sure I was going to come back, and that happened like quite a quite a bit in its seven volumes. So the volume two is almost entirely film criticism, which I thought was kind of funny, but you know, different <laughs> strokes. Yeah. What it Fire Punch? Yeah. Really? That was one where all the conversations were about different things from movies and whatnot. And it was, yeah, it was a mess. Yeah. So yeah, that is that is funny for you to come back to Chainsaw Man. And it's a much more juvenile, I guess, work than Look Back, which is clearly someone like working out some pretty adult feelings through young characters on the page. Yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable. And I think that if I had encountered it like you, I think I would actually have liked Chainsaw Man Volume 1 a lot less than I did. And even then, I actually, once you read Look Back, it really changes your opinion of him as an artist, I think, because you're like, you realize what, what this dude could be doing and what 
when he takes a hiatus and is just like this uh, look back came out after volume 11 of chainsaw man when the series was on hiatus you're like oh man if this guy had his druthers these are the kinds of short stories he would do still incredibly like beautifully illustrated high and commercial but like more personal and chainsaw man is like the manga in look back obviously it's 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 meant to be fire punches and then chainsaw man and it's just this idea of like what does a commercial shonen like older shonen manga look like filtered through these guys like particular worldview and i couldn't actually help but be this is my second read through a little disappointed in chapter one compared to look back Mm -hmm. compared to even when i first read it because it had so much energy and it had some some really interesting things to say but it still was compelling and I think I read the first 22 chapters. I have, I have no idea how many volumes that was, but every chapter would get a little bit better. He would get a little bit more confident in the world that he was building. And that's why I'm like, no, the, the, the horniness does continue like through every chapter, like the first 22 chapters where he does get his first kiss and it's just disgusting. It disgusting. Is, oh my it God. Is <laughs> it is the grossest first kiss anyone has ever ever had you want to explain to chip because I, I don't think he's read that far i think it's no, spoilers. Bleep it out yeah <laughs> it's it's absolutely spoilers but yeah david if you want to if you want to twinkle sound effect it out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. oh but at the same time it flashes forward to just be a like terrible gag like a terrible terrible gag which then leads to like other stuff and it's all interwoven it's so weird it seems like an episodic monster of the week thing for the first maybe volume and a half and then it becomes this ensemble cast comedy slash drama slash terrible upbringing like meditation on being poor situation like and work and there's so much in the first volume like where he like is selling his body parts in the first volume to try and get ahead of the dead he's owed to the, that his parents, his dad owned to the Yakuza. And it's just like, there's the first chapter has so much going on in it. And even then it's still like pales in comparison to like the 80 pages of, of look back or whatever. And that was the thing that was like, yeah, just keep reading. Cause obviously you've read this thing by this guy. That's really good. There's gotta be something here. And honestly, three volumes in, it's a page turner, man. Like it just keeps going and going. And the, yeah. the things that you like from the first volume, or at least tolerate from the first volume, get way better. The action gets gorier. The like jokes get better. The characters they introduce are all really interesting. My first impressions are read past the first volume, I think. I don't think it's as bad as some of the stuff that we've covered on the on the podcast where it like doesn't get good until volume three. But I think it's the kind of thing where each subsequent chapter is better than the last. And this is not a sponsorship, but Quite honestly, that's what the Shonen Jump app is like for, frankly, for two ninety nine a month or two bucks a month or whatever it is. Like when I went to go read the next chapter, it was just magically there because <laughs> I have unlimited <laughs> access to everything for two bucks a month. And then I ended up binge reading like three volumes or four volumes worth of stuff. So, yeah, shout out to the shout out to the Shonen Jump app. It's pretty good. I mean, the other bonus of that is that Chainsaw Man has, was one of the most popular manga published during the pandemic. Mm. And as a result, it was out of stock almost constantly (laughs) in print. So uh, it got really popular as digital. One thing I guess I enjoyed about it was, and maybe I think about this too much, but it was like, ah, it's about income inequality. Yeah. A little bit. It's like, oh, how, you know, how, how sad it is. You know, this guy, he sells, 
What? He sells his right eye, his kidney, and one of his nuts, and he's still not getting ahead. <laughs> and it was, and then like his dream is like having breakfast with toast, like having nice toast, and then then it just gets as soon as he gets even the slightest bit of money, he gets toast with three kinds of jam and honey and butter, and he's just like over the moon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was so cute, you know, like, like if you buy the Chainsaw Man, I think Good Smile figure, you pre-ordered it. One of the extras, you got the ultimate toast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. I guess when I first saw it, you know, I would see all the screenshots and, you know, the screenshots, the chainsaw thing, you know, like, like, you know, just basically pureeing everything in its path. And I thought it would just be violent. Mm. And it's like, oh, it's just. Just crazy and violent and whatever, but it there's moments in there that I thought had a lot of heart or a lot of you know kind of I don't know. There was this one part where he says, "Like I finally got hold of this dream I've been chasing for the longest time. Once I had my hands on it, it was way less life changing than I expected. And now I'm like, when I go after difficult dreams in the future and get my hands on it, am I going to realize I was actually happier during the chase than too? Isn't that just crap?" Mm. <laughs> Wow, the voice of Gen Z. <laughs> Except he's talking about touching a boob. Like, that's the underlying humor of it. Like, his grand thing was, I'm going to touch a boob. It's pretty good. It's a yeah. very effective metaphor. Deb, did we get your take on yeah. the book overall? Like, you're generally pro Chainsaw Man? In general, I, I liked it a bunch. Like, mm -hmm. I did. Normally, I don't like super gory, violence for violence sake stuff. And I don't normally like super horny books just, or just for the sake of being horny. Mm -hmm. But somehow this combination worked for me. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Whether it was because it was funny, whether it was because it was always surprising. You know, like even that kiss, like what? <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> I, I just thought it was delightful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> so there's, I, I thought it was inventive. I also kind of like the fact that it plays with your conventions of what you think the how the story's going to go. Mm -hmm. Like kind of like with Attack on Titan, like nobody's safe, right? Anyone can die at any minute, except maybe the main character. And then he might might what happen was he'll lose a couple limbs and but he'll magically regenerate them. And then there will be moments where you think he's going to die, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a nice tension, you know? Like you Definitely. can get invested in a in a character and be devastated when they die unexpectedly. And I think that's really keeps me interested as a reader because it takes me on these ups and downs and these crazy turns that I don't expect that, you know, after years of reading manga, you kind of think, you know, all the beats, right? Mm -hmm. You know, all the, you know, all the samples that all the music is going to come from. And so, wow, this is like a brand new type of music. This is like when, like when Kraftwerk shows up, <laughs> like after prog rock, you know, it's like, whoa, okay, that's different. Yeah. I don't know. My impression of this, I read, actually read Fire Punch when I got hired at the Manga Factory. It was one of the first, it was, mm. I think, starting to come out as I was coming in. Maybe volume two was in production. So it was like one of my first introductions to behind the scenes with manga and everything. Mm. And it's interesting going from that to this because it's almost like when you, when Kevin O'Neill drew Green Lantern, 
or whatever. And Australia was like, we have to ban his art style from the country. It's too obscene or whatever that was. The Comics Code Authority <laughs> yeah. banned his art style because yeah. it was too obscene. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those where this guy was clearly doing something different from the beginning. Yeah. And kind of settled into what that different thing would be. And for Kevin O'Neill, it's like getting grosser and grosser and, you know, offending parents everywhere. But for Fujimoto, it's like bringing extreme artistry to kind of not surface level stories, but very like broad stories, broad emotional appeal, let's say. Like the income income inequality stuff in here is really real. The like horniness stuff is really real, but also the sense of inventiveness. Like there's a random panel on page 158 of a bus. Like they've just been dropped off in, in the wilderness. I guess the boonies, not the wilderness. It's just not a lot of trees. <laughs> and like the bus is like a little bit curved, like a fisheye. And it's like such a good effect to suggest like they're in nature. Like they're out of the city. They're away from all the straight lines everywhere. Mm. There's all these little bits of extreme artistry, but then also like tomfoolery, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes it feel very fresh compared to a lot of like shonen manga, because he's not doing the trope of like, there's the hero, there's his dark haired rival. We get the dark haired rival, but like they're not really in competition for anything. They just don't like each other. Mm, they, might, they might both no. be in love with what's her name? The, the boss. Akita. Yeah. Akita. Fair. But even then, she's more active and something purposeful than most shonen heroines would. Yeah, because she's also the boss. Yeah. (laughs) I can just interject for a moment. First off, you just bombed the show notes there for the second time. Because first, I got to explain what Golden Boy is. And now I got to (laughs) explain getting like buried by the comics code authority and the show you just you just dropped that into the conversation and kept going and people listening at home were like, yeah wait a guy was banned by the comics code authority which is pretty good and then secondly mm-hmm. i did want to say in the off season kevin o'neill passed away on on november 3rd and he was he's a legend he's his work is so good if you're you know go find everything he's done nemesis the warlock uh, green lantern but also especially his work on league of extraordinary gentlemen is there's no one else that draws comics like him or drew comics like him, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin O'Neill. His, his work is pretty incredible and his late great Kevin O'Neill. Anyway, Chip, you were maybe going to mention something about the boss lady and how attractive she was well, as an just, older yeah. lady figure. Uh, no, 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 just the fact that she's the boss lady, that she's not on the same level as the other characters. So that, that mm-hmm. makes it not feel like, previous kind of shonen where you know it's like it's like the group of characters at the same level and then there's a weird love triangle or whatever but because she's in charge and there's like there's another level to her Mm. in manipulating our hero it it doesn't it doesn't make her as kind of one-dimensional as as perhaps in other shonen yeah it's a larger idea, but it might actually be better if we get another example first because I want to talk about tone in this series. Mm. But yeah David what were you gonna say? The monster design, I think, is another reason why the series blew up, kind of mm. circling back to Deb's point for a moment. Because, like, we've seen monsters and stuff. Like, there's a lot of great, awful creatures out there. But his, from page two, or was it three? However these count. Like, it's a tomato devil. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, great. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love it. And it's it. not even, like, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes style, where it's, like, a goofy tomato with eyeballs. It's like, It's gross. But it's also like a tomato devil. This isn't just going to be like bales above from the depths of the seventh circle of hell coming to earth to do the blah, 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 blah. It's going to get weird. And it delivers on its weirdness like so early on. Yeah. 
that you buy into the thing where like a dog gets absorbed into a guy's chest and it's normal. Later on, the uh, the bat character, like the introduction yeah. to the bat. I forget what the page number is. Oh, it's so good. It's such a beautiful composition and the drawing of the devil. It's just, it's like some of the best, like Kevin Nolan, Mike Mignola work possible. (laughs) Like it's really, really well done. And such a, it's such a great scene to debut the character as well. Instead of just like, ta-da, look at me. I'm, uh, I'm terrified. It's just like in shadow crouched within that room. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. awesome. Like the Phantom of the Opera or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's on page 164. On 165, just past that, is the bat like squeezing Denji into its mouth with the jaws open. Mm. Like the hatching on that reminds me of like, is it Gary Gianni that does that kind of thing? Mm. Okay, yeah. I'll have to look it up maybe. But the it feels like black and white Euro comics almost, you know? Yeah, honestly, even Kevin O'Neill, since we mentioned him. Kevin O'Neill, but yeah. like uh, Kelly Jones, anytime there's a bat character mm. oh, yeah. and there's like a cartoony deformation, oh, yeah. it gives me like Kelly Jones on Batman kind of vibes because uh, he did all the good stuff with, well, he did some of the good stuff with Man Bat, I think, mm-hmm. back in the day. Sorry, Deb, we are doing superhero references this week, apparently. No, no, I understand <laughs> it. I was going to throw in something else. Maybe, and I didn't realize this until after we started talking about this, but it's from the beginning of volume two that you see bat devils significant other shall we say <laughs> and immediately what hit me from that was oh my god it's devil man this is like yeah. devil man <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and batman is from common rider too right it was yeah. the first or second person they fought batman and spider-man yeah because it's like oh, <laughs> oh it's, yeah it's the hero the anti-hero that has part demon that takes the side of humans, but kind of not really. Yeah. And it's like mm-hmm. innocent and good hearted, but yet stupid, a little stupid. And if you remember raw hero, he was also dead broke and is willing to do anything to provide for his family. So very similar yeah. vibes. Oh yeah. I didn't get that, but you're absolutely right. Maybe that's where all the horniness, like I was conflating the two a little bit because they both have the same motivation. And that was just yeah, such a horny series is devil man yeah <laughs> well and the devil man too as well like yeah like you get the you get the girlfriend demon and she is very sexy and this the girlfriend demon is not i mean i don't know maybe i don't, I don't know what you're into but did not strike that <laughs> to me like he was not trying to have a prurient interest with her i think something like that yeah <laughs> yeah i think i had a discussion with some people on social media and we were talking about how I think someone shared a an ad for Friday the 13th or no, what is El- Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy like advertises toys or something like that. Oh, yeah. And then people are saying, oh, you know, that's right. Those horror movies were actually kind of like popular with kids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, go- those gory horror movies were actually really popular with kids. And I mean, Devil Man was published as Shonen Jump too. So I mean, it kind of made me think like, Maybe this is like a return to what, you know, what kids actually like. I think you know, so. When we're not afraid to shock them a little bit or yeah, you know, demons or like, you know, like the, like once upon a time, Red Riding Hood, the grandmother got eaten by the wolf and then the hunter had to cut open the stomach, you know. Wow, spoilers. Were a, lot, yeah. a lot more violent, <laughs> right? But yeah. now they're really cleaned up. Hmm. So. That's actually a really good connection. I wouldn't have thought to go back that far but to the way that we 
continually sanitize kids is media. And every time we reinvent it, it becomes, becomes different. And I think, well, and this is the thing we have to talk about is that Chainsaw Man after volume 11 went on hiatus and then they brought it back and they moved it to the online magazine because it was just too much, I guess, for Shonen Jump. Like it's in Shonen Jump Plus, which is the online magazine that Shueisha does now. They pulled it out of Weekly Shonen Jump and it's like, it was in the magazine next to just the most popular, I mean, let's let's face it, the most popular comics in the whole world are in Weekly Shonen Jump. And like you're reading your one pieces or like it's, and then you get to Chainsaw Man that week and it doesn't look or read or have the same intensity level or like same like not quite the same sexuality as most of the stuff in the in the magazine like it's yeah it, it's it's bizarre a little bit that this was a book that made it in not only made it into shonen jump proper but stayed there for 11 volumes that they had to wait to pull it out of the magazine but it was also it's so popular like it's hugely popular not just here but in Japan as well i guess the tone for me is like it does start in a shonen place and like if you're if you're just jotting down what this is about on paper it kind of starts in a shonen place but the execution is so different, like so, so far removed. David, you're kind of the, the jump expert here. I, I'm curious if you think I'm off base here. Like, is, is, does, it, it, does this work in the Shonen Jump worldview of, of 2022? Like, obviously, it works in the 70s and the 80s. I mean, Fist of the North Star. But yeah. does it work today in the same way? I think I have to retire my Shonen Jump King title because it's been ages since I read a Shonen title on the regular, mm. you know? Like I still really? have a lot and there's a lot I appreciate. Yeah. Once huh. I got hired at the manga factory, I realized that we do most of the like shonen titles that I like and everyone else does most of the seinen titles that I like. So it's been kind of oh. interesting feeling my reading habits shift. Mm. But in terms of the genre, I think that we recreate the counterculture every generation, like you were saying, uh. but with, with good reason, because like the thing that worked, the things that made my mom angry as a parent make me laugh as an adult. <laughs> so like if my little brother's playing Mortal Kombat, like I'm not going to care. Like I know that that doesn't really matter. They have to find something new that's edgy, that's weird, that's like their own thing. Mm -hmm. And it's the same like if you look at like Frank Miller on Daredevil, like no one was doing Daredevil comics like that before he was. And then he did his thing and moved on and like it changed the series forever and it kind of defined an era of comics a little bit mm -hmm. or like set a certain era of comics up. I think this is the same thing where some people are just like working from tomorrow instead of today. And I think that this is one of those books where he's figured out like shown comics need to be more than kind of the big three format where you're going to be the king of whatever the top ninja of blah, blah, blah. You can't have like the useless female characters anymore. You can't have like, you got to have like real emotional resonance. It can't just be pure fantasy. Mm -hmm. That's why there's a lot of like broke characters in manga nowadays, mm. even in like some of the shonen stuff I've read, like, providing for your family is one of the dreams that characters have. So I think there's bits and pieces where you're like, oh, this is totally Shonen Jump. But then there's everything else where you're like, oh, this is like kind of for older kids or maybe grown adults as well. Hmm. Or maybe it's something that you can enjoy on a certain level as a younger reader. And then when you're an older reader and you read it again, you go, oh, there's that other level. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like, oh, like, oh, Bugs Bunny, Wagner. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching a lot of old Money Tunes, actually. That's a great example. Like, there's so much artistry in those that almost, like, it's funny that I had those as a kid just on TV, like, playing Wagner, playing all these different, like, old school movies and things. 
because the references were lost on me. It was just like a funny voice or a funny face. Mm. And so they're just jokes unto themselves. And it's kind of cool. Yeah. And I think that this is a similar thing where he's taking a lot of things that he's into and making it something new. Like you don't make your first big villain a bat in manga without like kind of knowing what you're doing or what you're referencing that way. Hmm. Hmm. It's funny. You've mentioned Looney Tunes. I keep thinking like Looney Tunes, Nightmare on Elm Street and this, like what they have in common is the fact that there are violence and comedy at the same time. Ooh, yes. I think that's one of the kind of the, the, the secrets of success to kids. You know, if this was just violence and maybe a small section of kids would be into it and the rest would be like, yeah, it's not really my thing. Yeah. But yeah, but I think I really think there's something there to like that combination of violence and comedy for a certain age group. And even Mortal Kombat was kind of funny. You could say Dragon Ball did, does that too, right? Oh yeah, Dragon Ball super funny. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was the first was the thing is when I was a kid that you were talking about that was like egregious that my parents were afraid that I would play, but of course I was playing when no one was looking and inputting the blood code and things like that. I think Dragon Ball was maybe always the safe version of that, but like Fist to the North Star now, or even my favorite example is Drifting Classroom, and we're going to have to read it on here at one of these points, but it's like, that was a shonen title, and it's just kids absolutely getting murdered, just page after page of kids just getting murdered in the most bizarre, terrible ways. Viz just re-released it as three volumes, and it's just a just a masterpiece of like that kind of horror where, you know, teenagers would line up to go and watch, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street or, or the Jason movies. Friday the 13th movies where teenagers get murdered over and over again. They wanted to see that visceral thrill of to feel danger in their lives, but that was in a safe kind of a space. You know what I mean? Cause it was fantasy. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a movie. And I think that's what drifting classroom was for that time period. It's like, but I'm that age and I could be this boy that's going through to this other world where there's monsters and like all of my classmates keep getting murdered in front of my eyes. And I think like Deb's saying, we're a lot softer now on kids with kids media especially western kids media like we challenge kids maybe emotionally but there's there's always there's almost never any physical danger and i think that that's really interesting and i i feel like oh and i might be speaking out of my ass here but the this part where i always see physical danger is in queer kids novels and Mm. i don't read widely but like ya novels and and kids novels about uh, queer experiences generally will have some sort of life-threatening like gonna get beat up or gonna get like beat up to death kind of stuff in it and it's meant to heighten the sense of danger and i always really recoil from that every time i pick up a book it's about someone that's you know got an abusive dad that's gonna that that beats him so much he almost kills him because he's gay and you're just like i can't read this again and this seems like a very different tone for that kind of threat you know what i mean for that Mm -hmm. kind of like he's someone who's like literally selling himself at the beginning and it is threatening and he might get killed by the yakuza but it's like also it's like it starts off real but it's so far removed because he's doing these things to fight demons that it's not set in our everyday it's actually really masterful the way he threads that needle in terms of like having real stakes but also keeping it firmly in like a fantasy realm like a like a friday the 13th being secretly for teens in the u.s and i think that that's really I think it speaks really well of this book actually and it's why i think it might be engaging to me as an adult other than the fact it's just good comics like you just keep flipping the page to see how he's going to design this next or what he's going to do next so when i was reading it i was shocked yeah. at how short the chapters felt mm. like it just goes at such a fast clip and then all of a sudden 
bam, 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 and boom, the double page spread with stuff splattering everywhere. <laughs> like, whoa. Okay. See you next week. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Whereas, you know, like, Look Back was, it was released as one big story. Yeah. Like, it wasn't serialized. It was one big story that he could tell. He could do a symphony rather than a song. Mm. And so that's, I think, an interesting way to watch an artist grow, right? Like, the pressures of putting out something weekly means you got to come out with that really quick, fast song with a catchy beat that's going to get you good scores on the reader response card. But then with Look Back, he could build and, like, have these kind of, like, you know, crescendos and down and flashbacks and without worrying about, okay, I only got 15 pages this week. How am I going to do what I want to do in these 15 pages? Yeah. So it's, I think he's having a really interesting career arc that way. When Christopher and I went to Anglam last year and he, they had an exhibit of his work, which is quite unusual for someone who's quite new, mm-hmm. quite young, to have that kind of retrospective big, you know, flashy exhibit. And I remember we talked with the curators and they said, we want to catch someone who was on the rise, who was making people talk, Mm. who was uh, doing things that was really interesting and provocative about comics, you know? So I don't know, I guess I want to ask Chip though, like, did you come away with anything, you know, reading this, this story, even just volume one thinking, damn, that's smart. Or that's really interesting storytelling or, why didn't I think of that? Or did you think like, ah, just another shonen stuff? Well, I mean, I always think, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's, re- it's really well done comics. The uh, the humor in it, especially. You know, uh, Chris talked about the kind of the, the, the horror aspects of the beginning of like the fact that he's, you know, sold off body parts. But I was, I was actually really impressed with how they made it kind of like kind of comedic and made you feel for the character as well. Like he's like, Oh, I even sold one of my nuts. Like that's a horrific idea, but like the casualness of it all mm-hmm. is kind of what, 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 what sells it is, is also a humorous character defining bit of information. So, yeah, so there's really, there are a lot of nice little tricks throughout this to kind of like make you kind of uh, love this character, understand where they've come from, root for them. Yeah, no, it's 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 super well done. And I've already gone on about like, you know, the design of the monsters and stuff and the art. Like it's it's all stuff that I wish I could I could do better, which is why I will not be reading volume two because I'm just angry <laughs> at it. <laughs> but you have to read volume two to see Mr. Bat Devil's Oh the Bat Devil. Girlfriend. <laughs> all right, so I should probably subscribe I should probably subscribe to this Shonen Jump app. We we yeah, have been maybe. threatening you two for Two years, almost uh, almost two years now. So we'll see if it, maybe Santa will get it for you for Christmas. I wanted to ask you guys, did you find any particular dynamic between any of the characters interesting? Like, I personally enjoyed Power and Denji being the two stupid, powerful ones. (laughs) (laughs) And then Aki like rolling his eyes constantly. (laughs) I liked Power and the cat. The cat? (laughs) Yeah, that was really, like, this is going to ruin my rep as not being a cat person. But I thought that flashback was so like artfully done and like just really good. It managed to feel lush, but also compressed at the same time. Hmm. And I think it's because the fade in where she's on page 174, there's a two panels where it's kind of her face in the modern day. Then it flashes back to kind of her dirty demon face. Hmm. 
And then you see her history with the cat where she's like, I'm going to fatten you up and eat you. And then it's fat. And she's like, oh, well, not eating that cat. Yeah. <laughs> and then it comes out of the flashback with the twin panels again. Like, that's such a good storytelling technique. And I think I first noticed it in dialogue in like Brian Azzarello yeah. and Eduardo Riso's 100 Bullets, where you'll kind of link scenes together with something that's like metaphorical, but like says something too. Mm-hmm. And I thought the look on her face was so good in these scenes that I don't know. I was really touched. Like, they, he really got across that like she cares about this cat. Hmm. In such a small amount of time, too. Mm, like, yeah, like, like that's just like a four-page scene or a three-page. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's oh, very yeah. very well done. For me, it's tough because I read so far ahead of the, just the first volume, which is ostensibly what this podcast is about. That honestly, the characters just keep getting better and interacting in different ways as they introduce more. So, the Eternity Demon, which might be volume end of volume two or beginning of volume three, is a story arc where you basically get the first sort of team mission where these people were like a, a like six i think of the demon hunters go to devil hunters go to a hotel that's infested with a demon and it they get stuck on the eighth floor is 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 as far as i will go on a plot and they can't get off of the eighth floor no matter what they do and it becomes a episode in a bottle i think which is what the tv people refer to those things as bottle episode where they're all stuck in this hotel for basically a whole volume and they start kind of losing their minds because they've been there for how who knows how long that they're just stuck on the eighth floor like days you know pass and the characters start bouncing off of each other in really interesting ways and it's a good way to introduce these new characters and you get to see all of their flaws all at once it's like a smart bit of writing but you also get to reinforce like what Denji and Power are all about in really good ways without spoiling it as well. So, yeah, I think I, this is putting words in an author's mouth, and I, I don't usually like to do that. But I feel like these are not the kinds of comics he wants to be writing, personally. Mm. I feel like these are the kinds really? of comics. Yeah, I feel like these are the kinds of comics... Would you see what if he could write anything in the world if he was outside of Shonen Jump? I don't think that he would. I think he would write things like Look Back or his short stories, things like that. But also, I think he, like, who, like, as we learned in Look Back, who doesn't want to work for the biggest manga magazine in the world if you can, right? Who doesn't want to take their ideas and try and tailor them to fit as best you can into this universe and still get rejected and still get bounced to the online magazine because your work is too much for the for the main magazine <laughs> but it's you see like i'm gonna write a bottle episode character arc and i and i don't want to denigrate shown at all i think it's it's really important and good but yeah there's just the the three volumes this i read i, I could feel him kind of really pushing at the boundaries of the kinds of comics he was allowed to tell and i feel that a lot in superhero comics when i read them i feel like there's some people that are so at home in that universe that just love working in superhero comics and love playing with all the toys. And there are some people that are like, yeah, I like this thing about superhero comics, but I want to tell these kinds of stories, but I got to eat. And then they like push it the boundaries 
with everything that they do until they're like butting heads with editorial and marketing. And it's like, you can't do this because there's a bride of this character in California that has to keep operating after your issue comes out. And we can't, if they are like murdering police officers. So please stop like that kind of thing. And I feel like that with here, like I, and it might be very specific. (laughs) It was a weird year for Superman. Yeah. It was a weird weird year for Superman. Superman. Well, sorry. He was, he had a brain parasite. It was fine. No, it's, it's not even like, it's just this idea of, of, of corporate comics, I guess. And I read this and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. this guy is, is pushing at the edges. And maybe I wouldn't feel this way if we hadn't read look back first as a manga explainer team. You know what I mean? Like I read the first three chapters of this before I read look back. It's great reading, rereading it again. It's like, look back had something to say and so told it in such a concise way. Like, but I also don't want this dude to be consigned to just making 80 page art graphic novels and want him to make a living for the rest of his life. Cause he's obviously making good stuff and he's, he's got the chops for it too. So yeah, he's probably enjoying himself too. I, I would yeah. hope so. I, right. Yeah. I agree with what you said about pushing against the edges of what he's like meant to be doing, but I think I hard disagree with everything else Yeah, in Ooh, terms of like, I get it. I'm, I am like, I am going so far into this dude's world <laughs> is totally unfair. And it's my yeah. very idiosyncratic. But I've got an analogy, I think, mm-hmm. that might put us on the same page. Like, Jiro Tanaguchi, I think there's a lot of different types of stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to read, like, CD crime stories with, like, boobs occasionally, he's your guy. Yes, yes. But he's also got, like, super heartwarming, touching, you know, Journal of My Father type stuff. Yeah. And I think I would see as big of a gulf between those two as I would between Chainsaw Man and Look Back. And I think it's just that, like... Some people have a lot of different types of stories, or maybe they respond to the challenge of the setting of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's like a Daredevil story, if it's a Shonen Jump story, like what's the craziest Shonen Jump story I could tell and how long will they let me tell it? <laughs> and that's what this feels like, yeah. you know, to the point where like he, they were like, okay, we found our limit. Don't stop what you're doing, but we're going to put you over here to keep telling <laughs> your story. <laughs> and that yeah. sounds like so creatively fun in a way like chip was saying because like drawing is so much work that i can't imagine unless the money's extremely good which i'm sure you know it's pretty good i can't imagine doing 11 volumes of something where you're like this isn't my passion oh absolutely absolutely mm. and i yeah again it's a very it, i just look at manga creators careers and then all of the like stuff about manga creators careers mm-hmm. there's a great sequence in even among he can draw manga which is like you want to make art? You want to make art? This is art. And he just beats him to death with like a nude photo of himself, basically. He beats his artist to death who wants to make art. I've used it in the show notes once before. I'm going to use it in the show notes here again. And it's this idea that like, man, you're doing a job and like, yeah, do the best comics that you can within this framework. And if you want to do mm-hmm. weirdo personal stuff, go to Zine Fair. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. But it's, yeah, this guy's just clearly very good at comics. And yeah, I'm, I want to read anything he does. I think going forward, and I'll probably keep reading Chainsaw Man. I guess we're in final thought territory for me, but I think I'm going to enjoy all of the non, you know, hard air quotes commercial comics that he does probably a lot more. So does anyone else? Sorry. Yeah. Deb, do you want to, have I, have I jumped the gun again? Would you also no, like to disagree with Christian? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the podcast. <laughs> I, I guess what I deeply regret is that the the Chainsaw Man exhibit that we saw in France in, was so good, but and it had these interviews with him that I couldn't understand, <laughs> and I was so sad. It's like, oh, France, why you gotta 
be in your own language. Yeah, it's for- the world is not made for me to enjoy <laughs> the content they create. So it's all my own damn fault. Yeah, but I'm sure he had really smart things to say that I don't mm-hmm. know. I guess it, it gave me a lot to think about because when I first read Fire Punch, for example, it just was it made me sick. <laughs> like it was disgusting. <laughs> It was like the guy self-immolates and then he, his flesh burns and he has to eat. Like it's, it does all these things like that make you go like, ew, is that the protagonist doing that? Mm. And it makes you kind of like, like it's very visceral. Like it's like the horror of war kind of thing, right? Or the horror of being crashed on a mountain in the Andes and you're eating your fellow passengers. That kind of yuck. <laughs> That's what fire punch is. <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't, can't explain it any other way. But you, but you know, for kids. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. No, fire punch was Sanin, I think. Was Sa- it Sanin? Sanin punch was Sanin, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it had to have been Sanin. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll not talk about what it leads off with. <laughs> it was a tough read. So the fact that Chainsaw Man came, like, came along and I was like a little reluctant to get into it, but Oh my god, that sh- this series screenshots of it are all over the effing place. Like, I I'm still like maybe halfway through the series. I haven't found that scene that everyone posts where there's astronauts with their half of their bodies are in the ground. Oh, buried and underground. The, the feet are on the other half, and it's like, yeah. Wait, where does that happen? Mm. <laughs> That's nuts. So. I love that the series takes you to places that you don't expect, even for someone who's been reading manga and comics for decades. That like you think, oh, I know this is what's going to happen next. Oh, this is going to happen next. This one just always throws me for a loop. And, and the fact that, you know, I mean, I don't normally like this kind of stuff, but I admit it, I'm a sucker for a good kick in the nuts joke. <laughs> <laughs> there are some, there are some really good ones <laughs> further down that were like. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I love that he collapsed after he got kicked in the nuts. Like it took a second. Yeah. It was the most realistic <laughs> yeah, yeah. dick kicking I've seen in a comic book. I don't know. So I guess I'll ask Chip, because I know you. It's, it sounds like you don't want to read past this, but I don't know. Any final thoughts? I mean, it's not even, it's not even that I don't like it. It's just, I don't have time for it. Oh, like if I'm going to like, that's all, that's all it is. Like if I had all the time in the world to be like, yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll I'll keep checking it out, but I got like five scripts I've got to read tonight. <laughs> like I'm just if I'm if I'm if I'm going to be reading something for pleasure, um, it's probably not going to be this. That's all. But my retirement, I'm making a list, and when I'm retired, <laughs> going to be a lot of Chainsaw Man on it. I think hmm. you'll have thirty more volumes by then. <laughs> well, I thought maybe yeah. like like one of the things that is really fascinating about the series is that it won the Harvey Award twice. You know, like for best manga, and that to me is usually the sign of oh, the comic shop crowd likes this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally see kind of Marvel DC kind of crowd being into this for mm. sure. Mm. Yeah, for me, final thought wise, I think it's rare to see a book where like artists and fans are both excitedly tweeting on the day it comes out, like oh, it's Chainsaw Man Day, which is totally a thing. Mm. I feel like it's like. Maybe Cliff Chang and Daniel Warren Johnson get that kind of attention from people where it's mm. like, oh, the Masters came down from the mountain again. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> and this is one of those. And I definitely want to keep reading it. I'm not sure if I'll watch the animation because I'm still like a 
manga. If the manga is the original version, I want to read the manga. Mm. Kind of the guy. It's pretty faithful though to the yeah. manga, and but it's, the drawings are different. Mm. And that's the best I got as an excuse for why I don't, I don't like him as much. <laughs> well, there's a different visceral reaction when you get red blood splattering all over versus yeah. black blood, black ink blood splattering all over on a black and white page. It's a different for sure. vibe for sure. And it's been cool seeing the kind of like parallel streams of fans develop, like the manga fans and the anime fans, and they're all kind of into the same story. Mm. But as a pure comic, like he does so much in this is just really quality. And that we've seen in other places or maybe have been like brought up in other series. Like I would compare this to Leipnir from Kodansha and Raw Hero oh. for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Like the monster stuff, the poverty leading you into like the worst possible situation kind of stuff. But overall, it's just like high speed comics. Like it never slows down. It's never boring. I think the only time I was like, how far along in this book am I was for some reason, I thought the first chapter was like 100 pages long. Then I got the chapter two. I was like, oh, I think I might be halfway done. But I was, it was just that good, I guess. Mm. So yeah, I'm very pro Chainsaw Man. I will read more before Chip's retirement so that I can hang outside of his place and like spoil me <laughs> as he goes along. I pray for you every day, Chip, that someday you can read for pleasure again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do, but it's just, I, I just have to like, I have to choose specifically what I, what I, yeah, what my pleasure reads are. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And it's a high bar that you got to set. Otherwise you would never get any work done. So I yeah. respect that. So I think that's a good run through of Chainsaw Man Volume 1. We will, I guess, take a pause. Maybe, I don't know, pet our cats and we will be right back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And we are back. And as this is our first episode of our third season, what better way to kick it off than to pick even more books? So let's see. What are we going to tempt Chip with this time? (laughs) How about you, David? Why don't you give it a go? Yeah, I have tentatively titled my picks this season so far, Violence Comics Hell. So we're just going to read a bunch of stuff that I like and have appreciated over the years. Mm. All right. And this latest one is called Baki by Keisuke Itagaki. And I'm going to read the the story so far. It'll be the easiest way to get across what it's about. Karate, Chinese martial arts, jujitsu, amateur and professional wrestling. The greatest warriors in the fighting world gather in the mecca of martial arts, situated in the basement of the Tokyo Dome, to earn the title of strongest fighter. Awaiting them is the arena's reigning champion, 17-year-old Baki Hanma. By day, he's a regular high school student, but by night, he's the undefeated ruler of the martial arts world. Concerned only with becoming stronger, Baki takes on all comers. And essentially, this is a story of like the most toughest, baddest high schooler that ever lived. And his father, <laughs> who is the other toughest, baddest like fighter ever. It's very light on story, but really high on action. Mm. And it's like... 
at the time it was next level action. I would say there's still very little like Baki, though. There's a lot of series that are like kind of like a fighting tournament in a unique location, sort of a high concept. Oh, yeah. like Dick Fight Island. But this is yeah, Dick Fight yeah, Island. Dick Fight Island. I mean, fundamentally they're all blood sport. You know, <laughs> they are all blood. <laughs> yeah, but but this one it's just so grotesque and weird that I'm positive the art is probably not going to be a hit. But there's like a lot of artistry to it as well. I feel. But it's very, hmm. I don't know, strange looking. And I think it might make for a fun conversation. All right. All right. Uh, it's available on Amazon. It's digital only. And the production values on the digital version aren't great. But I think it's on Comixology Unlimited. So you can read it for free. The bonus. All right. Yeah. I'm going to use my prerogative and ask Chris what he's going to do. Because my pick will depend on his. <laughs> I um, wanted to pick something that was a little bit more further away from David's pick. And so I have gone with, I don't think this is going to be my theme for the season, but it's something that underpins a lot of manga. And it's called a lot of contemporary manga like Chainsaw Man. And that's what made me think of it. It's called Goodnight Poon Poon by Inio Asano. Yeah, Deb just covered her mouth in horror. (laughs) And it's, there's a lot of feel bad stuff that came out over the last 10 years and this is a feel bad book this is like a continuously like oh a terrible thing has happened how could this possibly get any worse and then it does and then it does and then it does oh jesus about a boy and his family and it's awful it is awful and everyone on the internet has read it a hundred times it is unsettling and i think yeah chainsaw man is like the like Goodnight Pun Pun version of Don to Don, which we read a little while ago. What? Yeah. Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we need to, because we read the Goodnight Pun Pun version of Don to Don, we need to actually read Goodnight Pun Pun. It's it's honestly become a foundational work on the internet for internet readers, the same way that Junji Ito's work has. It's a weirdo, kind of oddball title that got picked up and resonated, even though it is awful and everyone has to read it at least once. And so chip, it's your time. You've read three seasons of worth of manga. It's time to read something that you're going to put it down and just be really impressed by, I think, but also feel very bad about. God, what a horrible pitch. I, did you mention the bird at all in that? Oh yeah. Sorry. It's a book about a boy and his family (laughs) and he is a bird. He is drawn as like a, basically a, like a left-hand sketch, like of a little bird and everyone else is drawn more or less like realistically in a sort of a plasticky Sane and manga kind of a way. And it is, it adds to it. You're, you're, the more I talk about it, the more you really, like, you're going to be like, no, no, I mean, David's right. That's like the most interesting thing. Yeah. I would say everything Chris said, but positively. Like it's weird, yeah. <laughs> it's creepy, but the storytelling is like what gets you to the like the sad and horrible part, I think. And that's why probably why he's recommending it. Yeah, it's it's honestly there's a reason well, I was I was saying everyone on the internet has read it at least once, and it's like it is a generational manga. Like we don't talk about it in terms of it being like a like, oh, you've got to read this. It's really important kind of a manga because we're old. <laughs> Frankly, we're all hitting 40 or older. And kids that are like 20 years younger than us are like, I remember the first time I read Goodnight Pun Pun. Mm. And that's it. Like, this is the this is the Gen Z comic. This is the millennial comic. 
I think we're going to say that we're doing goodnight pun pun and Twitter's going to lose their shit. Yeah, it'll be great. Goodnight pun pun. <laughs> Let's do it. Put it as far back in the rotation as you want to. You just have to know it's eventually coming for you. Oh, my God. Any awesome. Wow. Deb? Wow. I have no choice but to take this in a completely different direction because my original choice was going to be Fist of the North Star because I thought we keep referencing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we just presented you with steak and pork chops. I got to get you some some dessert. <laughs> some, something, some metamucil. <laughs> something a little lighter and sweeter, maybe. All right. Bounce things off. All right. So, I feel like it's more like steak and absinthe that was <laughs> presented to me. <laughs> but go on. Originally, when I picked, I picked the shoujo manga, it was like, Everyone's like, oh, you're going to pick that one. And it's like, then David and Christopher were like, oh, that one? Not this one? <laughs> so I will remedy that by giving you my love story. <laughs> oh, it was my love story. Yeah. My love story is the manga that David and Christopher wish I picked when we picked the other one, which was, what was the name of that one? Uh, it, was the the, it was the the My love mix-up. My love mix-up, yeah. 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 So this is by the same author i mean by the same artist but different writer and okay. basically it's about a guy who is basically just a big lovable goofball he's a huge guy very muscly his mom and dad are like used to be wrestlers he's kind of used to not being anyone's idea of a heartthrob in fact he hangs out with his childhood friend who is kind of like the guy every girl wants to go out with but then one day he he rescues this shy, cute little girl from some kind of dilemma on the train, and they start dating. And so this is his first encounter with falling in love, having someone love him back, and he just doesn't know how to deal with it. So it is super sweet, super funny, not like your average shoujo manga. It'll make you laugh. It'll kind of, it's kind of heartwarming. And I don't know. It's... It's light and fluffy, <laughs> and uh, maybe we need a little, I don't know, amuse-bouche, <laughs> little, a little gelato right. between courses. Right. <laughs> it is a delightful book. <sighs> it warms my heart just thinking about it. All right. Here's my thought process. Uh, Deb, you already uh, said it's dessert, so I'm going to put you third, because it'll be nice <laughs> at the end of this, I think. So your third, not as a punishment, but as a reward. Mm. Chris, I'm going to actually put Goodnight Pun Pun first. Oh, here we go. Just to get it the hell over with. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't have it hanging over my head like the Sword of Damocles every week, <laughs> knowing it's coming. It's coming. This sounds, this sounds like the thing I just got to, we just got to do it. Mm. Which, of course, puts Baki right in the middle, that sweet spot. I think that's a pretty good like flow for the. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think so too. I like that it goes Rosa Versailles and then <laughs> Goodnight Poon Poon and then Baki. Uh, that's a pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're nice answers to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And David, there's a lot of there's a lot of Grappler Baki. Which which Baki specifically are we reading? Is there's only one Baki translated on like a legal one? It's so it's on Kindle. Yeah. Okay. It's technically I think the second series of Baki, but like he's a dude that fights a lot, and everyone he fights is a different 
gimmick or specialization. It's very simple. Okay. All right. We'll put the link in the show notes, folks. Yeah. All right. All right. I think we got ourselves through the first episode of the third season of Manga Splaining. Wait. Uh, oh, I've got a oh, oh. important question. Yes, yes. Ooh. Christopher didn't say how many volumes of Goodnight Poon Poon we're reading. Oh. And I feel like that's always where he gets us. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Just God volume damn one. It. It's already double volumes. It was 13 volumes in Japan, and they've done them in the seven volumes in the Viz edition. So just volume okay. one. It's about 380 pages or something. It's a little bit long, but you won't be able to put it down to, even to save yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell a short story about Inio Asano, the author of Goodnight Pun Pun, and then hand it back to Dev? Yeah, Please. I would love to hear this. Yeah, so when Christopher was saying, like, this is like the Gen Z crisis comic, for lack of a better, I read Solonen when I was having my quarter-life crisis, and that's a manga about a quarter-life crisis. It's sort of like an all-in-one yeah. thing. Basically about a girl who quits her job and joins a band and like has like a loving boyfriend and stuff like that. And it was so good and so touching. And it made me excited for everything else that Asano has done, like all the way up through Poon Poon. Like, I feel like he maintains a really high level of quality. And I think that while we were in Tokyo, like the manga explaining trip with Nick Dragata a couple years ago, I think Nick said he ran into Asano taking photo reference in one of the places where we were just like hanging out randomly. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Like he didn't put it together until after. But, you know, it's a nice little intersection, I think. So I'm, afraid, I'm excited to see how that episode shakes out. Uh, Inio Sano is, he came to TCAF and I've gotten to meet him and he's really, really interesting creator. I wouldn't have picked this if it was. I know three people that cried that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> just in sheer joy. I took a photo him. that this guy had like a, the tattoo of the bird character on his stomach. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I went, Inio Sano going like, yeah, like the little peace sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, that means a lot. That'll be a fun episode. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be an episode. Yeah. I think you'll, I think we'll have a good one. I think we'll have a good one. All right. I think that, that that sets us off on an interesting trajectory for this season. I hope you'll stick around for more because we will definitely have more. <laughs> Thanks a lot. See you next time. been Manga Splaining Episode 85, Chainsaw Man Volume 1 by Tatsuki Fujimoto. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be reading Even Though We're Adults Volume 2 by Takako Shimura. Want to pick up a copy? Please consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. And don't forget to check out our newsletter and publishing endeavor at mangasplainingextra.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment for this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.